This episode is brought to you by my good friends at Huzo. Huzo is an acronym for human sound. Huzo delivers uniquely enhanced human toning sounds through headphones as well as through pads placed on your major acupuncture meridians on your body, which are your wrist and your ankles, thereby introducing a specific modulated frequency that are balancing and harmonizing throughout your body. One session takes about 30 minutes, and during that time, a strange series of tones create a natural resonance in your body that Huzo claims counteracts the harmful EMFs, toxins, and stresses you are exposed to during the day or just normal living, all while balancing the body, leaving you with a clear head, improved health, better sleep, and the feeling of calmness and well-being. You can try one at www.thisishuzo.com slash rebel. Use the code rebel25 to save $25. The folks at Huzo even have a great payment solution for you with terms up to 12 months. Check it out. I highly recommend this machine. It has changed my life and calmed me out. Thank you and enjoy this episode. Your natural habitat as a human is really in nature and our bodies, it's a symbiotic relationship. So we got to get exposed to it. Welcome to the Rebel Health Coach Podcast with Tom Underwood. Armed with truth and knowledge, your journey to a healthy lifestyle can be obtained. Preventative wellness, quality nourishment, and daily fitness routines dramatically improve your outlook on life as a whole. And you'll find the support and info you need to accomplish a healthier lifestyle here. Together, we can empower each other along our journey to an amazing you. Welcome back to the Rebel Health Coach Podcast. On today's episode, I have my dearest friend and returning podcast guest, Dr. Patricia Selassie. We are going to discuss her latest book, Aging Brilliantly, How to Eat, Move, Rest, and Socialize Your Way to Long Life. Dr. Selassie received her naturopathic doctorate degree from Bassett University. She is known as a doctor you can talk to. Her practice is centered on helping people be their healthiest best to live their life's purpose. Her patients have gotten help with conditions such as acne, eczema, thyroid disorder, autoimmune diseases, and fibroids. She is a member of the Medical Review Board for the School of Applied Functional Medicine, which is where I got my certification at. And she is also a proud co-founder of NatMeg Coach. Dr. Selassie lives with her husband and five daughters in Brooklyn. She loves journaling, reading books from personal growth and development to mindset to business, marketing, and of course, health. I hope you enjoy this episode. It is amazing. I highly suggest you grab a copy of this book I believe it's $9.99 on Amazon Prime uh, for the Kindle version. It's a very good book and very worth the read. Thank you and enjoy this episode. Welcome back to the Rebel Health Coach Podcast, Dr. Salazar. 
Thank you so much, Tom. I really enjoy being here. So I'm glad to be back. How are you, my dear friend? I'm doing really well. I'm doing really good. Good. That's awesome. It was nice to visit with you in September for a brief minute. Yeah, that was great. That was kind of a chaotic trip. (laughs) It was such a it was such a quick visit, but we got a good picture in. Yeah. Yep. And I'll be back. I'll be back in in the next couple months. So I'll look you up then. I'll be there for three days next time. So Okay, good. And the only thing on my book then will be just hanging out with my partners. So we'll get a little chance to sit and talk. And I'd like to meet your family, whole family, not just your husband. Okay, we'll work on that. We'll work on making (laughs) that happen. It's There's a lot of them, so it's hard to get them all together at once. I'll bet. I'll bet. Especially there's a lot of teenagers. How many teenagers? Um, I really only have one teenager, okay. but I have a 12-year-old who we might as well just fast forward her into teenager track because she just gives me the same, if not worse, <laughs> teenager stuff than my actual teenager. Um, and the rest are still young. I have a seven, a, a nine, and a three-year-old. Okay. So five all together. Oh, my. All right. Yeah, so You can say that again. Yeah. Oh, my. Yeah. Are they all girls? <laughs> They're all girls. <laughs> oh, even more big mind. Oh, that's a bigger mind. <laughs> I wanted a boy every time, but it feels really good to whenever I tell anyone, oh, I have five girls and the reaction. Yeah. Just like when you said, oh, that's a bigger oh my. I, I do get I do get some fun out of that. But yeah, I mean, I imagine it's an oh my. I don't know what it's like to have boys. I mean, I have two nephews and they're they exhaust me yeah. physically. You know, they they want to run around. They want me to take them here, take them there. They like to wrestle each other. And I'm like, ah, where the girls, I think they might exhaust me, but like more mentally. They all right. want to talk at once. They all want to ask me questions. They all, you know. <laughs> well, let's dive in. I mean, you've been on the, my podcast a few times now, so people know a little bit about you. But for this episode, let's just do a little flyover of who Dr. Selassie is. You're a naturopathic physician. And let's just tell a little bit. You live in the Brooklyn area. Let's do a little flyover for us. Okay. Um, Yep. My name is Dr. Selassie. I'm a naturopathic doctor here in Brooklyn, New York. I've got a little private practice. I love to teach. I like to go out to um, some places in Manhattan where they have some centers that are really into, you know, holistic healing and stuff. So I teach a class on skin and a class on the gut and a, a class on the thyroid, detoxification. You mentioned going out to the churches. I have fun doing that too, giving general lectures on staying well, being well um, in institutions, you know, churches, schools. And then my, as you as you just heard, I have five daughters, and I would say that my sixth baby is my book that just came out called Aging Brilliantly. So now I add author to the to the to my bio, which feels pretty good. That's awesome. Let's talk about this book because I'm excited for you. And after reading the book over the last week, I'm really, really excited about this book because it really is a a great read and it's an easy read. So it's not in depth, but it also covers the bases that people need to hear. Yeah. And that's what I think is, 
you know, good old fashioned naturopathic medicine. You know, we, we know all this, we as naturopathic doctors, we know all this information on like, you know, remedies out there that people don't even, you can't get at a health food store, like fancy remedies that strengthen your vital force or help a person healing to heal. And, you know, we know this research about the different herbs and the interactions with the drugs and all that kind of stuff. But it's, the foundation is always what really keeps us all healthy. And that's really what aging brilliantly is all about. It's nothing, it's nothing earth shattering. It's really back to the basics about you want to make sure that you're eating well. You want to make sure you're moving and exercising. You want to make sure you're sleeping. And you want to also have a good social network. You want to, you want to activate your spiritual life. You want to have a community. You want to be you know, tapped in and, you know, living a social life actually is associated with being young and staying young. And these are honestly a lot of the basics that we forget. You know, we're looking for the next, as you you were saying uh, other times we've talked, Tom, there's like always, you know, the trendiest new supplement coming in. And this is really about a book that's back to the basics, you know, like, but let's, but we do talk a little bit deeper about, okay, well, it's not going to be about like the latest diet or the latest fat or the right fat. It's, it's, it's a, it's a diet plan. It's really based on the Mediterranean diet, which has a huge body of research behind it. And it's very adaptable. So if you're a person who I'm a pale, you know, that says like, oh, I, I'm a vegan or I'm a paleo eater or I do keto. I think the Mediterranean diet is very adaptable, but there's things about the Mediterranean diet that if you follow, it'll help keep you young and keep you healthy. I mean, there's no doubt about that. It's one of the diets that have stood the test of time through all the trends. And then moving, I think that we all think about exercise and going to the gym, which is really important. But I think there's something to be said about the daily movements that we make in our lives. Like, you know, our bodies are meant to push, pull, squat, stand, jump, run. You know, our bodies are really meant to be in action. And a lot of times, other than our gym time, we're really sitting and then maybe standing. (laughs) But we really should be lifting some heavy things, squatting, putting some heavy things down, you know, so just a little bit about movement. And, you know, people say things like, oh, if your only exercise is you park far from the shopping center and you walk across the parking lot, you know, that's nothing. But actually, you know, getting movement into your life in that type of way, like is really important, you know, instead of me, I can get really lazy with my five daughters and I can say, call one, run upstairs and get mommy the blah, 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 or run downstairs and turn the thermostat up. Now I really just concentrate on doing that all myself, you know, because I'll go up two flights. That's two flights of stairs. I'm going up and probably another 50 steps, you know? So, or maybe not, I'm in a small little Brooklyn home. So maybe 20 steps, but that's still, it counts. You know, you got to move, you got to use your knees. And then resting is another one. Like people, you know, I can't overemphasize how many people want like, oh, I need that supplement to give me energy. But when I ask them how many hours they sleep, they go to sleep late, they wake up all through the night, they tell me something like, oh, I 
do great on four hours of sleep. Well, they're not doing great if they're in if they're talking to me about what supplement can they take as a stimulant. Sleep is not just important for energy, it's important for brain health, you know, being able to remember and being able to recall and use your brain and all that. It's important for healing. You know, the most important healing time is between 10 p.m. and 2 a.m. Most of us, a lot of us are still on our phones or watching TV sometimes at that hour. So, you know, it's it's a book that's really accessible. It's about back to the basics. It's, it's yeah, like you said, it's a fun read. It's a nice book to refer to often because there's some quizzes in there that can give you an assessment of, are you meeting the basics? There's some nice um, recaps of the chapter. There's uh, a whole section at the end about incorporating the habits into your life, setting goals and making journals. So I think I'm really proud of it. I think it's like a nice accessible book. It it references the research, but it's not going to bog you down with the research and be this long 400 500 page book of just, you know, right. it's, it's a really, it's, it's a, it's, it's inspiring. It's meant to be inspiring. It's meant to have some freedom around it and a little fun around it because, you know, discipline, being disciplined to go to bed early and eat right and make sure you're moving and going out there and socializing. Sometimes discipline isn't so sexy, you know, sometimes discipline seems like something that is a burden, but I really want people to understand that discipline and it is, it isn't something that should be taken so seriously. It's just about getting, you know, these basics, these basic essentials into your life and then living it. And then so that you can live a great life really, and a nice long life and have good quality of life, you know, because we want to live old and we want to live well, you know? Yeah. I mean, Sleep deprivation is a huge problem these days, and it has it kind of goes hand in hand with a lot of other a lot of things. But like dementia, increase in dementia these days is caused by a lot of sleep deprivation, and and dementia is increasing rapidly. And uh, I mean the book, the I love the way you broke it down in the end of the chapters, like a recap, the recap of it, the quick tips the self-assessment, and then you score yourself. It gives the the readers an option so that they can use this book continuously. They can go back after six months and say, okay, I'm going to go back and do this again so I can see where I'm at after six months of practicing this. Absolutely. That's exactly what I wanted it to to be for. Like a, a, It's a book you can read cover to cover, but it's also a book that you can reference quickly. You know, and then the self-assessments are great because you can at any point in time in your life and like, you know, I, me and Tom, you and I, we've been in this health field for a long, long time. And even though we've, you know, like I've been practicing for 15 years, but I've probably been interested in health since I was 19, 18, 19. And there's been years where I've been a lot healthier than others over that span of time. So it's also a way that you can kind of check in, you know, because I know this about myself too. When I'm, when I'm stressed or, you know, it's a period of my life where, where, um, 
putting a lot of effort, let's say, into my practice. And then you kind of lose that little balance. It's not like you're like, oh, I'm I'm noticing that I'm out of balance, out of balance. Like you just, you know, you're you have a great exercise regime and then you just fall off and then you don't start again. And then the, the t- by the time you look around, you're out of shape. So I think that for me, writing this book or even just looking at this book is is a real um, it's gonna help you to just Re, get refocused with these basic necessities that'll keep you living well. Awesome. Well, let's start out with the beginning. I mean, okay. what, what was your catalyst to write this book? Well, I, I think I've always wanted to write a book, honestly. And I think everyone should. All of us have, I mean, gosh, my patients come in with the most amazing stories, some of the things that people have been through. So that was just kind of, that's just kind of always been on my radar that I want to write a book. Um, but the part where I would get stuck is, well, what do I want to write about? And so, you know, my, my personal story is that I had, I'm the daughter of a medical doctor and a nurse. And um, my parents went to medical school in the Philippines And in the 1960s here in America, they needed a lot of doctors and nurses. So they recruited a lot of Filipino doctors who are really high quality, but in the Philippines, they they don't have these institutions. So a lot of them came to America and I was um, born or at least since I can remember had eczema and in my childhood and definitely in my middle school years, like age 10, 11, 12, I had eczema really badly, like on my neck and my face. And I think I remember it being slightly socially crippling. And my father, being that he was this medical doctor with tons of friends in his community, spent a lot of time taking me to these dermatologists, my mom too, taking me to the dermatologist, this well-known dermatologist or, you know, so I was on every fungal cream, antibiotic cream, anti-itch cream, anti, you know, steroid cream, all that stuff and never really got better. And then found naturopathic medicine and through changing my diet you know, treating myself right, giving myself lots of health care, self-care and seeing naturopathic doctors and doing some herbs and stuff, I got better. So back to the, and so that really influenced me into becoming a doctor. And then I even teach this class called Beautiful Skin Naturally, which is like, I mean, if someone told me, you know, way back then when I had eczema all over my face that I'd ever be teaching a class called Beautiful Skin, I would have thought they were crazy. So I thought, wow, what a great story of healing. And so that should be my book. It should be about skin health, you know, and then, you know, but time moved on and then um, they needed certain circumstances with my practice and with the health coach and, you know, what they needed me to teach in a a certain institution in Manhattan was all about thyroid health. So I didn't have a thyroid story. I didn't even have a particular interest in thyroid until I started researching it in order to teach the class. And then I became like, just like so flabbergasted by what 
people go through when they go to the medical doctor and they are not getting the right attention they need for the thyroid. So then I thought I need to write a book all about that. And that that's just basically how it was. <laughs> I was going through my life sort of like, well, what do I write the book on? And then at some point I just, you know, got the idea, you know, basically the publishing company, honestly, Callisto Media, they called me up and said, they want me to write a book on aging. And I sort of, it was like a big aha minute for me because it's not really, I realized that like, no matter what, when I'm teaching about the skin or I'm teaching about the thyroid or I'm teaching about the gut, or even when I'm talking to a patient who has diabetes or whatever it is, there's those certain basics that we know lead to a longer, healthier life. And so honestly, it just seemed like this book on aging would really work out because, or I guess it's really anti-aging, you know what I mean? Right. It's really Because a lot of the time, you know, people, sometimes, you know, when you're a doctor, a naturopathic doctor, you're dealing with chronic disease. And so people are, their joints start hurting them, their blood sugar starts going up, their blood pressure starts going up, you know, these are the things that sort of stop them in life where what continues them to go grow and live happily and healthily is really a lot of the anti-aging research that we have out there and then compiled with the basics you know i got myself a book it's okay. so that's really that's really the story the catalyst for how how i uh put it out in the world yeah that's yeah that's because really I know in myself, I, I, I look at a lot of patients, lab work, and, and I, keep, I have to remind myself, and I actually have it written on my wall, keep it simple and go back to the basics because that's where it all begins. Yeah. So let's dive in. Chapter one, uh, you talk about the blue zones. This yeah. is pretty fascinating because yeah. I, actually yeah. was, I was actually Good. amazed that there's one in the United States. Me too. Yeah. So um, for the your listening audience here at Rebel Health Coach, the the blue zones are areas around the world that where you have um, a higher number of people living to a hundred. And one of the blue zones is here in America. It's in Loma Linda, California. And so this man named Dan Butner, who actually works for National Geographic and a whole team basically went to all the blue zones and they're really only called blue zones because they had a map and they had a blue marker and they started circling the areas with this blue marker. So they started referring, <laughs> referring to them as the blue zones. Um, it doesn't really have much to do with the color blue other than the marker. But um, they started traveling to these blue zones and taking lots of pictures and interviewing the people there. And they found some different things in each blue zone, but they also found some common things, you know? So a lot of, for example, the, a common thing about the diet is um, plants, really. A lot, of, a lot of these areas in the blue zones they eat a lot of plants and, and some of them, like, for example, the one in Loma Linda, California, it's mostly a Seventh-day Adventist community. So they have 
I think the two things that stick out for them is that most of them are vegetarians. So they're eating lots of plants naturally. It's easier to, to do a plant, eat lots of plants if you only eat plants versus animal products. And they also kept this, keep a Sabbath. So on Saturday, they have a day of rest. And we see that rest and socialization happens in most all of the blue zones. Like in Icaria, Greece, um, I'm always encouraging my patients to go to bed earlier, you know, because I think people are sleeping late. But in Icaria, Greece, they kind of go to bed when they want and they wake up when they want. Nobody reports to work at 8 a.m. or 9 a.m. People report to work when they get there. Huh. Kind of interesting, right? And yeah. so they rest a lot, they socialize a lot. In um, Sardinia, Italy, that was a that's another blue zone. They do um, have animal protein, like they might have lamb or a certain kind of cheese that's local out there, and they do have sardines um, on occasion, but not much. They eat a lot of plant. They eat a lot of olive oil, fava beans, eggplant, and dinner for them or the meal for them is really a family affair. I mean, and I'm talking multiple generations, you know, tables might sit 16, you know, there's a few little, there's a few courses, like they might start with a glass of red wine and some olives, then they're talking and chatting. And then another dish comes out, maybe it's eggplant and they're talking and chatting some more. And the grandkids are running around the table. So there's this element of rest and socialization, plants. That's good. <laughs> so this, this is what we're seeing in the blue zones. Um, in Nicoya, Costa Rica, there's also more of a emphasis on playtime, you know, socialization. There's naps. But they're, they're hard workers too, right. you know? Like they are very active in Sardinia, Italy. Um, where they're mostly shepherds, they might walk about the equivalent of four miles a day on rocky terrain before 11 a.m. And some of these people, they're lifting sheep. I mean, you know, and, and some of them are are older. You know, some of them are past their, into their second half of life, you know, 50, 60, 70, 80, still walking the trails. There's also an element of, of they work hard. It's like work hard, play hard. You know, it's interesting because I get a lot of people say, hey, it's in my because gen you mentioned genetics in here in this chapter. And I when I was reading it, I was like, OK, a lot of people come to me and they're like, well, hey, it's in my genes. Yes. So. You know, I'm like, OK, it's, it is passed down from generations and it is in your genes. But and then I explained to him the epigenetic part, which you mentioned also. that. You know, because it's in your genes, it's like a bullet in a gun. It's not going to be active until you pull the trigger. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly right. And I'm opening the book right now to the, the page about epigenetics because it talked, there was a study that I referenced and it looked at centenarians, um, people that live to 100 or more. And it said that longevity is one third attributed to to genes, but 80% dictated by lifestyle. I guess the percents don't exactly work out because I was actually looking at two different studies. There was, there's that one in 2015 and then the, another study on identical twins 
where they found that longevity is 20% dictated by our genes and 80% dictated by our lifestyle. So exactly right. It's, it's, it is a factor, but it's not the answer. I mean, like even, um, so my father and my grandfather were medical doctors and a lot of people say to me, oh, see, it was in your genes. But, you know, I have a brother. <laughs> he didn't become, he didn't become a doctor. And maybe he had the 20% propensity to become one. I mean, he actually is a well-renowned restaurateur. He, he's opened up two restaurants and very interested in very good quality food. And I'm interested in that. So that might be where, where he kind of inherited the gene for health. But other than that, he's, you know, it really takes, it takes something else. It takes right. another 80%. It took another 80% of me to follow this track, you know, go to medical school learn, study, practice. And it's the same thing with anything. Like maybe you have, you know, if I was following, and I talk about this a little bit in my um, book very briefly, but my mother is a two-time cancer survivor. They told her in 2014 that she had maybe a few months to live and it's now 2020. And she just took a trip to Israel and she went to Michigan the year before that. I mean, she's been all over. And um, and my grandmother on my father's side, she lived to, she was 102. But my father died of cancer early. He died at age 44. And my grandfather died of a heart attack in his 40s as well. So my genes could really give me two opposite, you know, I could be, I could, live long and healthy or I could die young, but it's, it's really up to me to, to kind of control which way I want to go. Right. Yeah. I added genetic testing to my practice, uh, for weight loss and for aging. And I ran my own test and I had the gene that I, for hearing the, which I've already pulled the trigger on because I went and saw Metallica live a couple of times and stood in the pit, <laughs> but my hearing is pretty much shot. So the, my, I did pull the trigger on my hearing, and that's why yeah. my hearing shot. Yeah. You know, so I like to re- reference that story with my clients because it's like, all right, I have that, especially the MTHFR gene. You know, and it's like, okay, you have that gene, but you don't have to. The lifestyle is going to dictate whether that gene comes on or off, not. So some of the tips in your book, like eating real food, will help not turn that gene on. Yeah, absolutely. And it's hard to, I mean, people think, oh, this is nothing earth shattering, you know, eat real food. I've heard that one before, eat whole foods, but this book is supposed to inspire you to really do it and to kind of point out how easy it is to not eat real food. I mean, here in Brooklyn, if you go to a, if you're hungry and your options are like a deli or a vending machine, you will not find any real food in there. Right. It's all processed foods. And even if you go to a buffet or something, you don't know, you don't know what oils people are cooking with. You don't know, you know, it can be dangerous. I hope that you are enjoying today's episode of the Rebel Health Coach Podcast. I am taking a minute to interrupt the show. Sorry about that but I need to do some general housekeeping for the new year. 
Are you sick and tired of being sick and tired? Are you frustrated you can't lose weight no matter what you do? Are you tired of taking handfuls of medications every day and still feel horrible and tired? Is that you? Well, then I have four open spots available for the first quarter of 2020. And all you have to do is book a free 20-minute consultation with me to discuss yourself, what your issues are, and we can talk about if I can help you. So all you need to do to book that 20-minute consultation is go to my website, www.thomunderwood.net, tomunderwood.net, and go to services at the top, scroll to the bottom of the page, click the link, and schedule a free 20-minute consultation with me to talk about you and to see if I can help you and also to see if we're a good fit. Let me help you get off that roller coaster, get off that hamster wheel, and lose the weight and feel optimal in 2020. Thank you and enjoy the remainder of this show. Let's start with chapter two because, well, we covered pretty much chapter one, which is the blue zones. In chapter two, you start talking about the the four pillars that they found in the folk, the studies found in these folks of the blue zones. Yeah. So move was one. Eat real food. Eat real food. Connection. Connection. Yep. Very. And then relax. Yeah. And I, I I think those are pretty simple. Yeah. (laughs) So. And then you go into each chapter's broken down into these four pillars. So let's start with move. You kind of talked to touch base on that a little bit, but there's a huge connection between our brain and our muscles. Yes. And I know with my dear mother who just passed that the movement kind of got in the way of her brain. So can you go into that a little bit and, and why that's so important for our brains. Yeah, so we have something called the MMC, the muscle-mind connection. And this is like the idea that when you're exercising, um, particularly if you're trying to grow like your bicep muscle, if you think about the action of lifting up that weight and you think about even your bicep muscle itself, they found that there's a lot more neuromuscular firing at the, I'm sorry, fire brain firing at the, at the neuromuscular junction. So when you think about growing your bicep versus lifting up a weight and thinking about anything else, you're going to grow that bicep better. So they start, that opened up a whole, you know, whole other chapter of research that was really looking at at cognitive performance in older adults. And they found things that, for example, leg leg, um, strength was really important for strengthening the brain. Mm. You know, so there's definitely a connection between the brain and the biceps or brain and, and any muscle and also the muscle improving the brain. 
So it's there, it's, it's bi-directional, you know, you, your, your muscles improve brain function and your brain improves muscle function. That's awesome. Yeah. Which is really quite remarkable because I think that in the past, we just thought that the brain controls everything, but now we're finding that, that it's a bi-directional pathway. Yeah. That's pretty interesting because I think as a society, when we, a lot of, and with our parents, my parents, your parents did a lot, their, their jobs entitled them to move more. And today we have a society of, well, I sit behind this desk all day. So I have a habit of setting a timer uh, for 45 minutes. And then the 15 minutes between the next 45 minutes, I get up and do some movement. I walk or I go outside and ground myself on a piece of grass and take and, and take a little few minutes or I do some push-ups or sit-ups or even a plank just to get the movement incorporated in my day because otherwise I sit here on my butt all day. And even though I have a skinny butt, <laughs> it's not getting any bigger sitting here, but I, I have to get out and move. And I think that's yeah. important. That's important for people who work at a desk job. Yeah, and I love what you do because I think push-ups are going to be great because you're activating muscles. So when you're sitting at a desk, you are not really activating any muscles. But when you do something like push-ups and you're activating your arms and your shoulders and then a plank where you're activating your core, it's different than even just walking somewhere, which walking is great too because, I mean, I even talk about a study in the book two groups of kids. One was, uh, they were all sitting in front of video games for three hours, but the, there was the control group that would just that sat the whole time. And then there was another group that on the hour, every hour they would get up and go on a treadmill for three minutes, just three minutes of walking. And their health numbers came out a lot better. A significant, it made a significant difference. If you right. think about it, it's three minutes on every hour over three hours. So that's really only a total of nine minutes, you know? So I have the same thing. I mean, these days, you know, I think that smartphones have kind of kept us chained to the desk, but there's a lot of good things too. Like I have my Fitbit on my watch and it does a little thing. It does a little vibrate. If I didn't on the 50 minute mark, if I didn't walk a certain amount of steps and it's not a lot of steps, it's like, 250, but I feel this vibration a couple times a day and that I really got conscious of how much sitting I'm doing. And then to get up and make up 250 steps or less is really not much. Right. You know, it's nothing. A hundred steps is nothing. A hundred steps is back and forth in the hallway and you're done. <laughs> well, I think like in the cities like Brooklyn, I mean, you walk a lot anyway in general. It's, it's, it's easier to walk than it is to drive. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, when I come to Brooklyn, I usually stay at a motel close to the warehouse and I'll, I walk to the where I walk to the warehouse in the morning, I walk home at night and then I go explore Brooklyn at night on my, I'm by foot and find the, you know, some good restaurants or whatever. And yeah. uh, I, I think yeah, in, city living is, is great that way. Um, especially like in the part of Brooklyn I'm in, it's a little harder to really, do much walking but like 
for example, if I were to go to Manhattan. Right. So I need a car out here basically to get to the health food store, honestly. Right. Because there really aren't there aren't any close by where I can bring home, you know, groceries for eight people in my right. house, like by hand. But these days you can order I order boxes of um produce like organic produce or drive but like yes every single time I go to Manhattan I could easily drive my car but it's almost so much easier to just hop on the subway and walk all over the city it's just yep. a lot it's just a lot easier so that's one thing that's really good about city living i think that country living now you just have an opportunity for nature right which i think is even better, which I'll, I referred to in some of the later chapters of, of the book, how important it is to connect with nature. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. You talked about uh, forest, forest bathing. Yeah, forest bathing. Yeah. So they do this in Japan and they just basically, that's what they do. They go into the forest and kind of let take it all in. It's very, very healing. You know, very, very healing. And it actually does help nourish our adrenal glands. Like if you really want to know how it's healing, it's really doing something to us. Like we're humans. It's not really normal. You know, just like you might see like a fish in a fish bowl or a bird in a cage or some animals at the zoo. And you might, there might be that little part of you that feels really sorry for them because you're like, you know, this poor fish is swimming around in this little tiny chamber or this the bird in a cage, that one kind of kills me, to be honest, because a bird is supposed to, to be able to... Yeah. And it's kind of the same thing, but we don't think about that with us humans when you're sitting in your concrete, you know, skyscraper building or apartment complex or even your mansion, that it's not exactly your natural habitat, you know? Yep. Your natural habitat as a human is really in nature and our bodies, it's a symbiotic relationship. So we got to get exposed to it. Let's talk about eat real food now, which is the chapter after move and, mm-hmm. and also a part of the four pillars, of course. But we talk about the Mediterranean diet a lot. And I, I, I agree with you 110% that and I kind of do a Mediterranean vegan Paleo, I call it V. <laughs> I, I, yeah, so I got, I kind of combine them all together. But it is true that the Mediterranean diet actually has a lot of health benefits for oils and for the brain. And let's talk about the brain eating for the brain because the Mediterranean diet is kind of eating for the brain because it feeds the oils feed your brain. Yeah, yeah. The your brain is fat. I mean, your brain is, your brain has got a lot of fatty tissue or fatty acids in there. And so getting a lot of high fat is really good for the brain. First of all, it sustains your blood sugar. It's really important for like, for example, coconut oil is another fat, excellent fat, but it is, it contains ketone bodies and ketone bodies, um, is basically a fuel that your brain can live off of um, that's not glucose. 
So, and you also don't need insulin to take it into your brain. So ketone bodies from coconut oil is really excellent. You know, grass-fed butter is really important. When you have grass-fed butter, you have a lot of the types of fats that we need, omega-3s and 6s that are really important for the brain and brain health. So like all brain cells have cell walls that are made primarily of fat. So if you can incorporate, if you are just like we always hear, you are what you eat. If you are not getting good healthy fats in, your brain cells are going to be kind of shriveled up or crumbly, you know, where if you have good fats that your body can take to make up brain cell walls, then you're going to have more robust brain cells. There's going to be connections between the two. It's going to your your propensity for the brain, the propensity for the brain cells to dump out garbage and take in nutrition is going to be easier. So healthy fats are really important in the Mediterranean diet. I mean, I can't mention grass-fed butter and mention coconut oil without mentioning olive oil. I mean, right. all good old-fashioned raw olive oil is very, very good for you. Very good for your heart. Very good for your brain. It doesn't. You can't really cook easily with it. You've got to keep it on low, low heat because olive oil will change once it gets cooked. Right. And it has a low smoke point. It'll, it'll get destroyed quicker at a lower temperature. So, I mean, today we live in a society of a lot of processed foods. I think it's a lot of people are unsure what real food is anymore, unfortunately. I know they know what real yeah. food is, but there's a lot, so much mass marketing by the big food companies on, you know, low fat this, low carb this, you know, the packaging and, and the de- deception of what real food is, you know, and I think it's important to understand that. And, you know, I encourage people to reach out to me or, you know, all the time saying, okay, I, I, if you're unsure, shoot me an email, you know, because it's sad because our industrial agriculture and the food industry really have screwed up our grocery stores. Yeah, absolutely. And um, like, for example, we're ta- we were just talking about fats. We used to get omega-3 fatty acids in vegetables. Now, a lot of times it's, it's really mostly only in fish. It's very, very hard. If you're a vegan, you can kind of get it in flax seeds, but you have to do a lot of flax seeds and flax seeds oil. And probably I think for every gram of fish oil, you need like 11 grams of flaxseed oil. So it's nearly impossible to get really the omega-3s that your body would thrive on because in the grocery, in industrial agriculture has breeded those omega-3s out of the plants because the fats were the reason why the vegetables would go rancid on the grocery shelves. So the groceries wanted to carry produce that would keep a long time. So unfortunately, now we are not getting optimal food like we once were. But I think that you could get into all the nitty gritty and find something wrong, honestly, with all all food. I mean, there's something you can figure out like these days, rice um, has might have high levels of arsenic, but rice, it exists in nature like that. So that is more of a, a whole food than like a granola bar that you would get out of a package. And so what I usually tell people 
is, you know, you want to make sure that it either walks on the land or swims in the sea, or you can pluck it off of a tree or you can pull it out of the ground. Right. And that's real food. If it, if you're pulling it out of a Dunkin' Donut, I shouldn't name brands, but if you're pulling it, <laughs> if you're pulling it out of a wrapper or you're pulling it out of a box or pulling it out of plastic, it's not real food. Right. And the, and the sad part about our vegetables in the grocery markets or in the grocery stores, or you know, usually it's on a truck. It's picked before it's ripe so that by the time it gets to us, it's ripening on the truck and ripening on the shelf. Or getting moldy. Or getting moldy, one of the two. Yeah. Um, so I really advocate for um, community shared agriculture. Like we used to... Um, go and pick up, you know, farmers would come down from Vermont and upstate New York and bring down their organic produce. And we uh, would go every Tuesday, pick up a big box for our family, and it would basically be filled with whatever the farmers brought that week. Yeah, and, I, like, uh, I like my community shared co-op. Yeah. And then you're more, I mean, sure, Vermont is was four hours away from us, but it's way more local than getting produce from, you know, Mexico. California or Mexico or Miami. I mean, it's, it's, it's more local. And, you know, I, like I said, my, my parents are Filipino and my husband's from Jamaica. So you would think that we would thrive a lot on tropical fruits, but the truth is uh, we're more acclimated to New York. I mean, I never, I visited the Philippines. I never lived there. And my husband's moved um, from Jamaica when he was a teenager. So we need, you know, people need to eat the food that's around them. You know, so usually with community shared, well, always with community shared agriculture boxes, you're getting produce that is more tailored for you. Right. I mean, sometimes I, like in the winter, I get a lot of of the same thing, turnips, you know, ginger root, bok choy. So it kind of gets overwhelming that you're like, okay, I can only eat so many turnips, <laughs> you know. But I ended up starting to eat turnips this winter like an apple, which is kind of gross and disgusting. But honestly, it tastes pretty good after a while. Yeah. But yeah, I had so I many mean, turnips. I'm like, what am I going to do with all these turnips? Yeah, I mean, I have the same thing. My children, they don't love cabbage because one winter... We got so much cabbage and because cabbage keeps, I was cooking all the other greens first, like the bok choy. So then all of a sudden I had like seven heads of cabbage and I was like, and it was spring and the community shared, we, our boxes were done with. So we had cabbage for like every day for a week. So they have this thing now against cabbage. But then after that, I learned my lesson and I started doing things like making sauerkraut or cutting it up raw and putting it on just as a not a whole cabbage salad because my kids would notice that but like as part of a salad and my children are not picky they eat everything they were just so sick of it so right. sometimes you have to get a little creative or share some with a neighbor or something but i did end up making a lot of sauerkraut <laughs> and then but I, I love sauerkraut yeah i actually end up slapping i ended up making these cabbage steaks so I sliced the cabbage about an inch thick and threw the whole piece on the grill Ooh, and I think seasoned each side that. with grass-fed butter 
and just kind of flipped it over like a steak. Uh-huh. And then just had that like a cabbage steak as a side. Oh, wow. I, I'm going to try that. That's amazing. The kids yeah, might even I, like it too, because it's like, it's like a, it's like grilled. Yeah. So it has a whole different flavor, you know, and it, it's, it's just different. You know, when you yeah, have that much cabbage, you come become very creative. Yeah, totally. And that's the thing is like, this is what our grandmothers did. They, they just went and they got the food that they got and they made something out of it, you know? Yeah. Now, while we're in the subject of food and lack of nutrition in our food, I know yourself and myself go to supplements a lot. But as practitioners in a functional in a in my world and as a naturopathic doctor, you know, we don't want to overwhelm our clients with a bunch of a bunch of supplements. So you really have to you also have to start at the basics with these too. So what yeah. I think mean, I like, I mean, usually I'm giving magnesium is always my number one. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, we got to get you on some mag, a good quality magnesium, you know, and then the vitamin D's and then, you know, the B's because those are the three that our food lacks. Yeah, totally. D you're just not going to get in your food. Right. And, and if you are getting it in your food, it means you're probably having something processed. You know, right. Um, I mean, there's a little in some mushrooms, but not enough to correct a deficiency. And that's just the mushroom getting it from the sun. Magnesium is very, very deficient in our foods. Like there, there used to be enough. You can get it from greens and nuts, but there's just really not enough. Even someone who eats greens and nuts all the time, like me and you, right? right. We still probably need magnesium. And the other one you mentioned, oh, the B vitamins, also very important, especially, you know, right now, everybody is coming in like they're like this vegan for four months. You know what I mean? Like I'm getting a lot of patients now. They all want to be vegan. So I think it's, I think that there's a little bit of a trend happening. Um, I'm not against it, but you know, B vitamins are hard. B12 is very difficult. You won't attain it in a vegan diet unless you're eating spirulina or brewer's yeast which are not some of the top foods that I think your average vegan would eat. So yeah, and then you mentioned MTHFR earlier. Um, People with the MTHFR gene mutation, they can't conjugate their B vitamins. So it's really important to give them an activated B vitamin. And I give people B vitamins, whether they have the MTHFR gene or not, because it's our, we're living in a society now where our adrenal glands are just so overused. We're all stressed out and I think we could all use it. So yeah, those are some of my foundational vitamins too. I also like to put people on a fish oil if they're not a vegan Absolutely. Um, for the omega-3s. And um, I do think a multi is sometimes a good idea. Now people get confused and say, oh, well, I'm on a multi and that has D and magnesium and B vitamins. So I'm set. But unfortunately, they're just the minimal doses. and Very minimal. Yeah, you might not get correct the deficiency that you have. Um, and another one that I, but I still do multis. I mean, I still think they're important. And then the other one I think is a probiotic. So industrial agriculture has really also, and we, I talk about a couple pages on the macrobiota too, which is the gut garden that we all have. And honestly, with industrial agriculture injecting a lot of our foods with antibiotics, 
we're killing a little bit of our gut microbiome daily unless we're supporting it, you know? I mean, right. it's, and you, you, you kill it basically with antibiotics, with sugar, with low fiber. So if you're eating a standard American diet, which would be like donuts, sandwiches, and soda, you probably have a really poor microbiome, microbiota, and if microbiome, sorry, microbiome, okay. singular, microbiota, plural. Whereas if you're eating a diet that's high in fiber, you probably have a better probi- a better gut garden, uh, lots of fiber, no sugar. But I still always supplement with a probiotic because the probiotics in your gut really affect your brain health and your immune system. And you know, you, there's just so much bang for your buck, I guess, with the probiotic. Absolutely. So I also usually do that. And, you know, in my book, I go more specific into some specific anti-aging nutrients, at least what I think are maybe the top 10. So yeah, me and Tom, we love our supplements. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah, we do. It's, but it's, the basics are food, always food. Yeah, you know, it's sad that we have to resort to supplements, but, you know, our foods, de- even our good food is depleted of a lot of supplements these days. Yeah, because our topsoil is in bad condition. Right. Well, because it's grown over and over and over again. Yeah. So our soil is basically robbed of the nutrients. Let's go into, we got two more left to finish up here. We got Connect. This is one of my favorites because... I know in a stressful in a stressful world that we live in, sometimes when we have our time, we want to hide. Yeah, totally. But that's not what we should be doing. Yeah. If you want to live a long life, you really need to connect. <clears throat> and um, I mean, I'm the same way too. I'm a little bit of an introvert. You know, I saw a post on Instagram with the whole coronavirus thing. And it was like <laughs> something, it was like, you know, it was like, vote yes or no. I want to, secretly, I'm hoping that I have to self-quarantine, <laughs> you know, because, um, I mean, I think a lot of us, instead of going to work and being out there, we might just want to like hide in our living rooms for a little while. And, and that's how we provide ourselves self-care and nurturing. And then we can go back out into the world. And that's right. true. That That's really important. But what has you going out in the world really is purpose. And if you don't have people or something, even animals that you're working for, what really is, what is really there? You know, know, so like if you're a person who wants to like, you know, like my mission as a naturopathic doctor is I want to heal the world, but I don't know, maybe you're like a, engineer or an architect and you feel that you want to create, you know, these amazing, I have no idea, buildings. Right, right. (laughs) Who's, you know, people have to live in the buildings and appreciate them. Otherwise, what are you really, you know, what are you really doing it for? We're all here on this earth, I believe, for a purpose. And when we can connect with our fellow human beings, or other living things, that's, that's where we really find our true purpose. And that has us fueled for life. Right. You know, it's like when you find out what it is that you want to do, there's just something gets turned on and it could be 
that you want to do something huge, like heal the world, which I know I could never do on my own. So I have to connect with people. I have to get on Rebel Health Coach podcast because it's people that are interested in doing what Tom's out to heal the world. So I want to, I want to join up with him. This now gives me purpose. This now gives me my reason to get up in the morning. Oh, I'm going to be on Rebel Health Coach podcast today. I better, (laughs) you know, I better get up, you know, and, um, and then all the people listening are interested in their health. So this is what fuels us. Exactly. And and that's why like the school applied functional medicine, I have my tribe there, you know, and, and, when I go on a retreat with those people for three or four days, it's it feeds my soul to be totally. with a tribe of people who have all the same belief and want to heal the world. You know, and you know, in in another time, we did all move and live in tribes. Yep, we moved. You know, and sometimes your tribe was your blood family, but. It wasn't always because you would marry into different tribes and you're, there was always something about your tribe that you all that connected you and put you together. It might even only be survival. But, you know, I have a similar experience. I might meet certain people in my life where I'm just like, wow, she's thinks like me, um, raises her children like me, like some of the same things I like, like her and I must be from the same tribe. I've had that kind of thought before. But with social media and telephones and emails, like I don't have to see this friend of mine. And I think that there's a problem. You know, there's a problem. With oh, that. absolutely. And there's there's always, and we do connect socially, but I'm telling you, there's nothing greater than we when we meet up and go out to lunch, you know? Exactly. A particular then, friend of mine. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I agree wholeheartedly. The other thing is, is that uh, one thing that, I, there's been a few that I know very well is it's a balance when you get in an unhealthy relationship with somebody, you need to f- draw the boundaries and say, okay, this is not serving me. So yeah. I, that's a difficult task sometimes. Yeah. And I touch on this a little bit too in the book. Lots of us are in toxic relationships. And honestly, if if I could tell people, when people come into my office and they're sick and they have a toxic relationship, maybe it's with their spouse or boyfriend or girlfriend, or it's a boss, or it's even just a friend, it's affecting their health. And sometimes it can be really difficult to get out of these relationships because you might love the person, but you've got to figure out how to set up boundaries for yourself. And I think communication is one. You know, you you can really communicate with how, how you're feeling and it might be really difficult, right? but you've got to figure out what you need to do in order to get your point across. Yep. It should get that boundary set up. Sometimes it might even have to be that you have to cut people out of your life. And I'm all about unity. I'm not about cutting people out of your life, but you know, sometimes there's just people in the world that come into your life to teach you something and then that's it. You're supposed to learn the lesson and move on. And then there's some people you can't cut out of your life, like your, your relatives, you know, but there you, you have to work on those relationships. You have to actively work on them because if you, and they can heal, you know, toxic relationships can heal. I've seen that. And usually when toxic relationships heal, you heal. Exactly. A hundred percent. 
Let's dive into the chill part so we can call it a day today and go. Well, I don't have the time to chill today yet. (laughs) Well, see, that's the thing about about chilling and relaxing is we none of us really have time. You know what I mean? So it's about stealing time. And I talk about that with exercise. Actually, I say that that's the biggest excuse with exercise is, oh, I don't have time. But it's not about I don't have time. It's about find the time. Yeah, absolutely. And, and sometimes it might be, well, today I exercise and I'm going to prioritize work. But tomorrow I'm going to relax and chill. And, you know, like I mentioned, the Seventh-day Adventists, the Orthodox Jewish community, they have a full 24 hours where they really don't do anything but chill with their families. And that's an extra two months of chill out time in a year. Right. They're doing this every Saturday. So it doesn't, for you, it doesn't have to be like, well, today I can't chill, but tomorrow, Tom, if you can find some time to put into rest and relaxation, it's just going to, it's an opportunity for your health. Right. Like when I, my workouts, I, I, are non-negotiable. Yeah. Except for yesterday. <laughs> I had a, I had to I had to walk away yesterday from my workout and say cuz I have this today and I have another one after this and I had so much to do. I'm like, okay, I am going to allow myself to get this stuff done and not do the do the workout. So I'm going to have to make it up and I will, but Yeah. As far as chilling, I I think with the I know the Orthodox, Orthodox Jews because my partners are uh, Orthodox. And at sundown on Friday to sundown on sun, Saturday night, Forget they, it. they don't do anything. They don't call you. They don't talk to you. They don't pick you. up the phone. Yeah. And they don't light their stuff. I mean, they actually just chill. Yeah. And to me, that's amazing. Yeah. To find a whole day for me to chill is very difficult. Sure. But I do work on some of the things you mentioned, like meditation and, and mindfulness. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not a good meditator, but I bought this machine called the Huzo. And I know the listeners have heard me talk about it. And it's on every. I think I've heard you talk about it too. And that is the. I look forward to my Huzo session in the afternoon and in the evening. It's 30 minutes and it just, it just calms me out. So I work on that. I also. Make a practice of every morning to to read the scripture and journal and pray, and those are some of the non negotiables in my life. And, and are those two things, those things, and but that's also keeping you young, Tom. Yeah, uh, we'll see. <laughs> and I want to mention your non negotiable about prayers. So, you know, in Brooklyn, I mean, I get every faith coming through my doors. And to me, it doesn't matter what faith you are, but that you cultivate something. And even if you say, yeah, and even if you say, oh, I, I don't have a particular faith or I don't have a particular religion, you still have a spiritual, you still have a spiritual right. life. And if you're not paying attention to it, it's going to catch up to you. So whatever you can do to cultivate that, right. whether it's meditation or you can define your own prayer or maybe it's just silence or maybe it's just like a time of reverence, you know, not a time to be laughing and giggling. It's a time that you're going to take out for yourself. It doesn't have to be that long. It could be short. 
Right. You know? I mean, exactly. I mean, even like a walk in the woods. I mean, I know it's hard to find right. woods in in Manhattan and Brooklyn, but there are some nice parks. Yeah. Or go down to the water. I the think water the water can be down there. a very spiritual place for people. And Brooklyn so, made that. Now they have that nice park along the water. Yeah, that, that's very close to my place. It's about 10 minutes less. And it's so amazing that you can walk for miles. Yeah. So exactly. So if that could be a non-negotiable for people, then great. Make it be one. Well, I appreciate you hopping on today. Oh, Tom, uh, my pleasure. I enjoy it. You can come on my show anytime. The door for you is always open. Thank you. I'm so honored. And uh, I am honored to have you, and I'm honored that this is, you know, some this book. I'm really, I'm really excited about this book because I I read a lot of books. That's one of my things I do, and and this book is so spot on, and it's an easy read. It's not difficult, and like I said at the beginning, I love the self assessment, the scoring. It gives the listeners an opportunity to, or the people reading the book and the listeners who are listening. To go back to the end of like you can this is something you can do every three months. Say it's like a checkpoint. It's like, okay, I did this for three months. I'm gonna go back and see where I stand now, where I score, or what I need to work on. Yeah, and that's really important. Like, you know, you when you set goals and there's a little discussion about goals, it really should there should be a period of time that you do it for. Yep. Yep. Not like nothing is ever like, okay, I'm gonna do this indefinitely. You know, you wanna you wanna Check in. You want to vary it up. Yeah. Yep. It's nice. Thank so, you, Tom. I am going to uh, put a link for the book in the show notes. I'm also going to do a little bit promoting for you because I think this book is must need for a lot of people in the world. Thank you, Tom. And the other thing is, before we go, and I ask this question all the time, and I ask all my guests, but you're a repeat guest, so I'm sure this question is getting old, but. What would Dr. Selassie put on today if you had 30 minutes to chill, music-wise or otherwise? If I had 30 minutes to chill, I mean, I think before I've, I've said Bob Marley. Yeah. But I do think I always go back to reggae, you know? Okay. And I think some of my favorites are some of the roots rock reggae, like Burning Spear and... Oh, um, yeah. I forgot about and that. And like the Itals and... Um, Ethiopians and Israel vibrations. Oh, that's I'm gonna write that down. Israel vibrations. Yeah, they're great. I have a little quick story about Bob Marley. Oh yeah, I want to hear it. Well, with the coronavirus, our dear beloved president of the United States decided to fly into Atlanta on a Friday afternoon at three thirty or three o'clock, and I was on my way from the gym home to try and get some more work done. And I sat in traffic for two and a half hours at a dead standstill. Oh, man. And I was I started out really negative. I'm like, why? What's going on? And I had no idea it was home because I don't watch the news. I didn't know he was here because I don't watch the news. So I get home and I start. So I'm sitting in the traffic. I'm like, what am, I can't go anywhere. And I was starting to going down the negative pathway. And I'm like, okay, stop, Tom, stop. You're not going anywhere. So what can you do to make the best of this? So I put on the old Bob Marley album and just sat there and jammed for an hour while I sat there. 
And then after that was over, I put on a podcast and listened to podcast about the microbiome and 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 some gut healing remedies and well it's funny how sometimes if you don't get the basics in the basics will come in oh yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah i was i wasn't a happy camper when i got home and i started venting on facebook and which i probably shouldn't do but it was it was like really why can't you fly in on a thursday morning or a wednesday or you know why do you have to fly in at all for the go to the CDC? Can't you put this on a Zoom call? <laughs> right. And so, two and a half hours, like, did they stop traffic while he was there? And well, then... he was passing. Yeah. What happened was he landed in Marietta and he went to the CDC, which is downtown. So there's about a 20 minute drive. So, of course, they blocked the freeways, blocked all the exits and entrances. So it held people up. and. You know, I get that he's, I, I I get the whole process, but I mean, Friday afternoon in Atlanta is never a good thing anyway. You know, I was like trying to make, I I, I was being very negative and I, and I had to go back on Facebook and apologize for being negative about <laughs> our president. Yeah. Anyway, if I was president, I would say I'm not going to Atlanta on a Friday. If they want to talk to me, <laughs> let's do a Zoom call. We can, we can put it on TV. Excellent. Save the taxpayers' money on the Zoom call. Yeah, I'm voting for you, Tom. Okay, thanks. I'm not running <laughs> ever. I don't want that job for anything in the world. All right, bless you. Thank you very much. Bless you too, Tom. Thank you for joining in today with the Rebel Health Coach, Tom Underwood. And be sure to subscribe to the show so you can catch all the episodes. With desire and commitment, you can implement a lifestyle of wellness and fitness. For the support, encouragement, and tools you need to be successful, visit TomUnderwood.net.